0: I'm not, baby! It's Jake C. Lee. I'm great! Everybody else sucks! Oh, Oh, no! It's every nightmare I've ever had! Excuse me. It's time to check the link. Pretty crazy,
1: huh? (laughs) But it doesn't matter because none of this has anything to do with the show. You know what? You just made the list! (laughs) Oh, wait, you serious? Let me laugh even harder.
0: It's all in.
1: Sure, we talk about it all
0: the time. Really? No. Game on, everybody. All in sports. Jake Sealy, your host as always, which you can find me on All in Kid, in case you're coming from today's terrific guest, which I'm assuming a lot of you are because I'm assuming a lot of you are already following Graham, in case you're not, at Graham Barfield of the NFL Network, one of the best in the business. If you haven't followed his stuff, I don't know what you're doing, uh, especially when it comes to running backs. We're going to talk to him here in a second. But as a reminder, normally I give you the promo code, theathletic.com slash the name of the show. in sports but that's only 30% so right now if you even if you don't like baseball and you want to get over for the athletic go to the baseball section it's 40% off in the draft kit so that's what you should do but we're talking football as we always do on this show and as I said bringing in Graham great to talk to finally in the offseason news so busy just like myself during the season we never got to connect and I don't even get to see you this year Graham in person so it's going to be a while before we even get to catch up in person too.
1: I know, I know. We uh, no combine this year. You gonna need, need to have a good a uh, good steak dinner for me uh, in my in my stead. But uh, have a good time at the combine, man. It's uh, last year was my first year going and it was definitely an experience.
0: Oh, it's it's I actually really enjoyed talking to the players that I got to talk to. Like I keep referencing the fact that I love Debo Samuel as a player, but I hated the fact that I the one question I asked him, what was his most underrated skill? And he looks at me and he goes, I don't know, great question. And that was his oh, answer. Okay. I was he like, seriously? He should have said he's great after the catch, which he is. Right. Like, give me something, buddy. But speaking of giving people something, let everybody know, I just mentioned where to follow you. But also, once again, if you want to double down on it and tell everybody your podcast, work, your everything you sure. got going on this offseason, make sure people know the goodness of Graham Barfield.
1: Sure. Yeah, Marcus Grant, Michael Fabiano, and I, we, uh, we're cranking out podcasts every single week over here at NFL Fantasy. You can check that out and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And Yards Created is back. Uh, it's right around the corner. It's about that time. The Combine is here. Uh, the draft is nearly here, and I'll be cranking out some some uh, some fun yards created content in the next couple weeks on Jake. What looks like to be a, a really fun rookie running back class. It's like five or six guys that are uh, potentially like elite fantasy producers moving forward. I'm really excited about this class.
0: Yeah, and that's uh, it's without Etienne, too. Like it's I know I mean, it's still loaded even without him. It's pro. I, I don't know on first glance and i know you're not through everything yet and that's not what really we're going to talk about today but just as a sidebar your first glance does this not feel like one of arguably the best draft class running back wise we've seen in maybe the past decade
1: yeah i i'm still very partial to uh the the 2017 crop or 2016 crop with you know with mixon and right. and uh, McCaffrey and kareem hunt aaron jones all those guys that came out i think this class is uh Rivals is it pretty it. Cl- yeah, it rivals it. It's pretty close. I, I still think that class might be a little bit better, a little bit deeper. This class feels a little top heavy to me, like there's five or six really good uh, backs at the top. And then, you know, it's kind of a little bit of mix, match, mix and match of what you prefer after that. But yeah, I, I think this class is really, really sick.
0: So i always i keep forgetting that mixon was in that one and know, for what for every reason in my mind i always feel like he was out the year before so yeah. a, i feel like he's been around longer than they have even though it's been obviously exactly the same
1: yeah and what's crazy too is is leonard fournette was the what whatever fourth fifth overall pick in that in that crop and yeah. he's like he's like the eighth or ninth most talented running back in that, in that <laughs> entire group
0: it's like people don't even care. Well, plus the one that came after him is better. If he could just stay on the damn field, Darius guys. I don't know. Are you a fan of Darius guys? I like them more than Leonard Fournette. Were you on the same page or no?
1: Uh, I liked Fournette just a little bit more out of that 2017 group, but yeah, I mean it's it's really really close. Um, I don't know. I I like guys a lot coming out though for sure. He was really really good.
0: It's going to be interesting to see what happens this offseason as well. And that's the biggest argument. And I'm sure you're making the same one. Not even if you're on one side or the other of the running backs don't matter. But just in general of the fact that when you have this group coming in, like why, why would you even pay up in free agency when you have talents that rival them on rookie deals? And that is unfortunately what the NFL is. But again, we're not really talking about that. Actually, I'm looking right now we're talking all wide receivers today and an early look ahead of uh, last week did an early look ahead talked running backs actually did the reverse i should have had you on for the running backs but in a case you can talk wide receivers too because you are that talented and kind of a lot of situations i found so many in only 3 divisions in the afc <laughs> afc that I, I don't even think we need to go past that so i'll save the rest for somebody else but Kind of looking at for people that might have not listened last week, it's kind of looking at most guys where their situation isn't going to change. And if it does, not too much. Where, like, I told Graham before we came on the show, I was like, I don't want to talk the Colts because if Jacoby Brissett's not the quarterback in two months, everything we talk about might go out the window. Uh, You know, so or like hell, they might bring in somebody to slide along T.Y. Hilton and not go with what they have. So that's what we're looking at. And I want to start with my what arguably might be I'm not even just saying the biggest surprise of 2019 Graham it might be the biggest surprise in the past five years because we waited we waited we waited we had hope we had hope and I'm pretty sure 99% of the people who had hope finally cut the cord and that's when Devonte Parker said all right finally I'm gonna give you everything you ever wanted and hoped for from me and my talent a lot of it had to do with the change of quarterback too but Devontae Parker, the assumption obviously are the Dolphins are drafting somebody, but the assumption is also that they're bringing back Fitzpatrick for a one year let the rookie sit, especially if it's somebody like Tua who might be hurt. So that's why I don't think his situation changes too much. Is Devontae Parker a top 10 wide receiver next year? The dude was number two since week four behind Michael Thomas. Oh my gosh. I know I was a huge
1: Devontae Parker truther, especially his first two years. I loved him coming out and then. Pretty much like everybody else, I got off the train too, and uh, it it appears I got off too early. Uh, I just – is it the most Devontae Parker thing of all time that he finally breaks out in his fifth year uh, and he's (laughs) only 26 years old and he needed Ryan Fitzpatrick to do it for him? Um, I guess the thing is Fitzpatrick just keeps getting his receivers paid, but um, Parker top 10 next year, I I don't know if I'm there uh, entirely. I think you can make the case for him a top 15, top 20 but Preston Williams is going to come back. And I think a big part of Parker's breakout was the fact that Preston Williams got hurt and, you know, granted Preston Williams is, um, very talented player, but you know, was stealing targets away from, from Parker and kind of taking targets away from the rest of this offense. And, And once Williams went down, Parker became just a target hog. I mean, Fitzpatrick and the dolphins really had no other choice, but to feature Parker every single week. But I think the biggest thing for me this past year was Parker you know, not only thriving on the extra volume that he saw, but it's just the fact that he was like, you know, r- routinely getting open against very good cornerbacks it was great to see. I-, I think Parker will be a fantastic number two fantasy receiver this coming year, but I'm not on him as a uh, as a top ten wide receiver one type guy.
0: So where are you feeling like you're slotting like a high end two, or are you pushing even possibly even further? Because if yeah. it's further, you might be the lowest person.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I think a high end two, uh, like 15, 16, somewhere in, somewhere in that range, just because there's so many great uh, receivers. And I know we'll talk about OBJ in a minute, but it's like, you know, are we really at the point where we're going to put, you know, Parker over Odell Beckham and, and uh, some, some guys, you know, like Juju Smith-Schuster that are coming off really, really bad years that, you know, there's, we stand a reason that uh, they, they could uh, turn it around real quick. All
0: right. So we can jump ahead because you brought up OBJ. So let's talk about him real quick. So we don't have to go straight through the divisions because we're just talking all of them anyway, but let's talk Odell Beckham because yeah, he essentially was one of, I mean, he wasn't the biggest, but he was one of the biggest disappointments for 2019, especially because he was basically healthy. And I think if anybody would say, Hey, you're going to get a full season from Odell Beckham with the Baker Mayfield, that entire team's hype Every top five, there was people who had him as the number one wide receiver last year. Again, essentially healthy, he did he get a little nicked up? And there's reports throughout the, uh, you know, at the season's end that he was dealing with something during half the season. Blah blah blah. But I don't know. That's just in your mind. Is that just more excuses after the fact? Is this a kitchens situation? And he was just over his head. And now that he's gone, and all the changes, things can look better outlook wise for next year. Or did we all get carried away and just Baker Mayfield might just be the problem that's not that good?
1: I think it was really twofold. It's it's number one, Freddie Kitchens after to like the first 15 or 20 play calls of the game just kind of fell apart every single week. It's just the Browns really didn't have much of a game plan. And, and the fact that they, you know, routinely Odell Beckham would just become a become a ghost in the offense, still kind of boggles my mind for 16 games. We just, you know, OBJ would have these stints where we just wouldn't hear his name called for for quarters <laughs> on end it just blows my mind but the other facet that you mentioned there too is is baker mayfield really regressed in his second year and i, I loved mayfield coming out uh it was you know, his rookie season was vindication for you know the number one overall pick and then this past year you know whether it was him just not getting the the right tutelage with kitchens and that offensive staff or the play calling was bad whatever the case may be like the fact remains mayfield was not as accurate downfield as he once was as adjusted completions percentage was really uh, fell down uh, quite a bit this past year. Uh, Next gen stats tracks like completion rate above and below expectation. And and Mayfield was pretty good uh, in that stat. And as a rookie finished just above uh, just above positive uh, marks this past year. But uh, in in 2018, 2019, this past year, uh, he was with Josh Allen down at the bottom with uh, th- uh, negative 3% of his passes completed below expectation. That was like bottom five in the NFL. And that's just not something you expect out of, out of Mayfield. He was a super accurate passer coming out of Oklahoma. And he, like I said, he flashed it in 2018 as a rookie. It's just, uh, it, the wheels fell off with the Browns this past year. <laughs> and I think it's just kind of a, a, a cavalcade of, of issues there.
0: Yeah. And uh, so I, did, I was doing a podcast with D'Angelo Williams, and this was some great player insight that I referenced a lot with Odell Beckham. And he told me this, and you can certainly use it. Just give him credit, not me. I, obviously, he's the one that told me about it. But he said the Kitchens thing was a big problem. And he thinks because he said while he was with the Steelers and the Panthers, what they would do in practice is they would take Steve Smith and they would take Antonio Brown. And they would say, hey, it's third and eight. We're running this. So you know, he's talking to the quarterback, so you know they're going to be double-covered. And he goes, what Kitchens probably did is do the exact same thing with Baker Mayfield and say, hey, Odell Beckham's co- double-covered on this play. And because Baker Mayfield is young and inexperienced, he doesn't even look at Odell Beckham, and it becomes ingrained in his head. So when they run those plays in game day, instead of checking to see if he's really double-covered, it's almost kind of like a like – a, uh, what's the – not muscle reaction or muscle memory. It's kind of almost like that, but yeah. for your brain. So there you right. go, some – some insight for there. So if people remember that, I'm definitely with you. So what about Landry? Because that was the big concern about this year was that Landry would have to take a step back because he's so reliant on his targets. Like his targets equal his production for his entire career. So if Odell Beckham rebounds next year, does that necessarily mean Landry takes a step back? I don't think so
1: because Landry for every single season of his career, he seemed very undervalued, especially in PPR leagues. I know, Ah, uh, people uh, hate on PPR for for good reasons, but you know, and Jarvis Landry's probably <laughs> the best test case against this. But like, oh no, been... I don't
0: mean for those thirteen catches for eighty something yards. That's yeah. always the best one.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh well, Landry's had quite a few of those games in his career, but no, I mean he's been a consistent number two receiver in PPR leagues every single season season of his career. Uh, he's caught at least eighty balls in every single season of his career, and and I think that's just kind of what Landry is. I mean, he's a chain mover, and it's not always the sexiest games. It's definitely uh, he doesn't always have the most touchdown upside. He's certainly got uh, less touchdown upside than Odell Beckham Jr. over the long run, even though Landry outscored him this year six to four. Um, I still think Landry's a, a very, very solid, like, he's the perfect number two, number three receiver you want on your PPR teams. Because the way I view Landry is like, you don't really want him to be you know, a guy that you're relying on to give you top scores every single week. But he has such a high floor because those, those receptions are always there. And it always seems like, Jake, he's going like the sixth, seventh, eighth round. And mm-hmm. for a guy that, you know, is always routinely beating his ADP by at least a few points, I think Lander will once, a bit, once again be a nice value in, in PPR leagues this year.
0: Yeah, he's that's, that's the one is nobody's ever super excited about Jarvis. Like you never see the chat room light up when you, somebody takes Jarvis Landry. And it was like, oh, love the pick. And it's just, it's like, oh, I got Jarvis Landry. Cool, whatever. I'm like you. Like if I get him as my wide receiver three, thumbs up every single time. So let me ask you about another one. Now, Jamison Crowder. Flashed, especially <laughs> really early in the season, uh, but flashed a lot more than Robbie Anderson this past year. It was questionable play by Sam Darnold, that being said, but it doesn't sound like we have Robbie Anderson back with the Jets next year. But that entire team looks to be a mess, and they will bring somebody in, whether it's a rookie or a free agent, because they're not going to ask Jamison Crowder to be their number one. But he is possibly... The incumbent in this offense is the number one by de facto from last year. So Jamison Crowder could he be a Jarvis Landry next year? I think he's going to be a really nice value. Um,
1: look, the Jets are going to have to get another another number one receiver on the outside, somebody that can stretch the field. We know that's not Jamison Crowder, but in the games where Sam Darnold played and was active this past year, Crowder was fantastic for fantasy football. I mean, he averaged. Uh, over eight targets per game with Sam Darnold this past year, averaged over 14 fantasy points per game, uh, which would have placed him in like the top 25 among PPR receivers on a per game basis. And, and Crowder, I'd imagine, I haven't done any best ball drafts because I mean, even though I'm a degenerate, I'm not that big of a degenerate to, to do a best ball draft right now, but I'd imagine Crowder is a, a really nice value going on outside of like the top 40 or 50. And, uh, sure, the Jets, it'll, it will remains to see what the Jets are going to do. And, and, you know, the stink of Adam Gase is always always <laughs> around and, and wild things always seem to happen on his teams. But uh, I, I think Crowder will be a really nice value in, in PPR this year, especially if, you know, the Jets only bring in like a rookie and, and Crowder's the, the, kind of the de facto number one again.
0: I'm looking right now on my fantasy league. He's not even in the top 50. In terms <laughs> got, of receivers? Wow. Yeah, he's got rookies in front of him. Actually, wow! One, two, three, four, five, six, seven rookies in front of him.
1: I wonder if that's because they their MFL's ADP is a little weird sometimes that they include like dynasty in there.
0: But yeah, that's that's a good point. Well, I mean, even with that, still, I mean, I I see what you're saying. Yeah, but I mean, even still, that's kind of ridiculous. He's still behind Robbie yeah. Anderson. So I mean, so that should tell you right there on top of it too. Yeah. So
1: Crowder's Crowder's gonna be a really nice value this year.
0: I actually yeah I'm with you I love that especially because like you said we're playing with Sam we need Sam Darnold to stay healthy you can't go back to that mess with whew, That was no, ugly. No, no more
1: mono for Sam Darnold
0: no no stop kissing people just you know <laughs> lock
1: yourself down
0: yeah just stay in a bubble bubble boy from good old Seinfeld days all right So let's go to the Steelers. So we know Ben Roethlisberger is going to be back. Obviously, you know, I said things can change, but we don't know that he's 100% the Ben that we used to know, but all the reports make it sound like, although we keep hearing jokes about him eating at McDonald's every single day. But all that being said is Ben Roethlisberger for the past two years was never like that slim anyway, so who cares? We just want Ben Roethlisberger to throw what he does, 5,000 yards and 30 touchdowns. So if that's the case, if Ben Roethlisberger is even 90% of what he used to be before the injury – Is Juju Smith-Schuster guaranteed for a bounce back? Because there were some people, there was a lot more fans of Juju than there were, but there were people out there who threw out the, I'm concerned he can handle being the number one and the number one coverage on a team. So do you think it was just because he had no bet and some of the worst quarterback play in the NFL? Or do you think that that's a legitimate concern for 2020, is that we still haven't seen that Juju can overcome and take that defensive attention? Just because we haven't seen it
1: yet doesn't mean it's still the case. I mean, no one was predicting that Big Ben's, you know, arm would fall apart, you know, you know, literally one and a half games into <laughs> the year. I mean, he, he didn't even get to play two full games with Big Ben. And and yeah, you mentioned Mason Rudolph and Devlin Hodges. I mean, these guys are just so far removed from what Big Ben can do in the vertical passing game. And that's what we really need Juju to to thrive in, is that vertical passing game. We know he can be a target hog in the short part of the field, but you know, the the deep ball that basically was not there in that offense at all this past year really hurt him. And, and Juju for what it's worth. I mean, he, he dealt with some major injuries in the middle of the year. I mean, he was never really fully healthy himself. I'm, I'm more than willing to, to throw away, not necessarily throw away, but at least give Juju a pass for, for 2019 because of all of the issues the Steelers passing offense had and the injuries that he had. I mean, Juju is still only 23 years old. I mean, he's going to turn 24 in the middle of next year, a super talented, super young player, and I think everybody's going to be on him for a bounce back. Um, the biggest thing for me, Jake, is like where his draft cost will go. I know it's so, so early, but um, if he's like, you know, a late second, early third round pick, I could see myself uh, drafting a lot of Juju Smith Schuster this year.
0: Yeah, I think is if that, like you said, late second, I think if it ends up being early second, like that first one, two turn like it was this past year, I think I'll still be like, eh. Because I was out there this year. I was like, it's a little bit too much, but I'm with you. If it does go that far... I could definitely see it. All right. So here's a we're gonna talk about a duo. And so let's talk about the Baltimore Ravens and the Baltimore Ravens. Now, this could I could see this conversation going multiple ways because it's gonna be, depending on what your first answer is, is gonna cue up your second answer and the fact that a lot of people out there assume there's going to be touchdown regression for the Ravens. Now, there's the counter argument that we might have still not seen the best of Lamar Jackson as a passer. So when we talk about his receivers for next year. Should be Marquise Brown for a full season. Should be Miles Boykin stepping up as the number two. Are you in or out on both of them for what the perceived value would be? Because I feel like Miles Boykin is still going to get overlooked next year. And he was four for four in red zone targets for three touchdowns. And Marquise Brown, four touchdowns in the red zone. Marquise Brown obviously had more touchdowns, but he in himself could be pointed at as touchdown regression. If you're talking about the fact that Lamar Jackson only throws 20, 25 times a game, I might, I hate, always trying to predict touchdowns i'm sure you do too but i might lean boykin for more value next year because if i'm going that route and he's only throwing 20 25 times a game i might take the bigger guy with more red zone presence i'm
1: with you on that it'll come down for for hollywood brown this this coming year it'll come down to price um i'm you know if he's you know seventh eighth ninth round pick i'll i'll end up biting but if he ends up getting some hype and somebody that gains some steam as we get closer into like July, August months, I, I might be out. I, I'm, I'm with you on Boykin. I think he'll be a really nice value. And, and Boykin right now for sure is a nice value in Dynasty Leagues. I mean, you can get him as like a throw-in piece uh, in your Dynasty Leagues right now. Uh, the, the touchdown regression is going to come for Lamar Jackson this past year. He had a 9% touchdown rate that was well above uh, the second-place guy, Ryan Tannehill, at 7.7%. His touchdown rate is going to drop. Um, it just depends on how far. Uh, it, it goes. And his rookie season, Jackson was cl- obviously not as nearly as prolific and his touchdown rate was three and a half percent. I think it normalizes somewhere right towards the middle of, you know, nine and three and a half, somewhere around five to 6%. And if that does happen, you know, Lamar is still going to throw 27 to 30 touchdowns, most likely maybe 25 on the low end. Uh, and if he does that, you know, all of these guys, Mark Andrews, uh, Hollywood Brown and, and Boykin are, are still liable to, to have some really nice stat lines during their season. It's just, I think this offense as a whole, this passing offense as a whole, runs through Mark Andrews. And then, you know, it's just going to come down to like matchup and a little bit of luck between who has the big day between Brown and Boykin moving forward.
0: Yeah. I, I, I think we're a lockstep on that one. By the way, I actually, on my fantasy league, I pulled out all the dynasty leagues. So it's full redraft only. Okay. Uh, that moved Jameson Crowder to 48, just for reference. Right. Marquise Brown, as of right now, is 33rd off the board in the eighth round. So we're both in on that. Here's the uh, Miles Boykin. You want to guess where Boykin's going right now in full redraft? Probably outside like the top 70, right? Uh, try outside of the entire draft because he's right now <laughs> he's in the 19th round right now. Well, he's free. He's free money. <laughs> exactly.
1: Though. That's free best ball money.
0: I know, I know how
1: I'm spending all my, uh, my last picks in my best ball leagues. I start those <laughs> up after the NFL draft now.
0: All the Boykins all day long. <laughs> Absolutely. Speaking of Boyd's, the different boy, <laughs> Tyler Boyd for the Bengals. Like, I think we're still assuming it's Burrow as of today, despite this recent report that so he's going to try and pull Eli Manning and all this. Yeah, I mean, look, it's throw stuff out in the air and see what sticks and try to fool people like the Dolphins with, like, oh, he might not like to. Uh, yeah, okay, whatever. Like, it's that time of year. But as of now, Tyler Boyd looks to be the number one, assuming they don't bring back A.J. Green, which A.J. Green doesn't seem to want to come back, and understandably so, is when he didn't come back last year, even though he could. So if Boyd is the number one, and I know this, one, this was probably the most dicey situation I'm going to throw at you today, but Tyler Boyd is a number one. Where are you putting him? Because he kind of, different player-wise, but I'll give this to you, Graham, as a fantasy player, he kind of reminds me of like the Sean Jackson as prime, that he's just going to be frustrating week to week.
1: Yeah, I think that's, that's fair. Um, you know, we just talked about Juju Smith-Schuster and whether or not he can be a number one wide receiver. And I think Tyler Boyd is like, uh, people should be asking that question about Tyler Boyd. Um, Boyd was fine for fantasy this past year. Uh, definitely had some really nice games for, for PPR, but he was, like you mentioned, very frustrating week to week. And I think a little bit, that, just, a little bit that had to do with just the Bengals were so, so bad offensively. And obviously they went to Ryan Finley in the middle of the year, which failed miserably. Uh, Boyd was definitely more productive with Andy Dalton. He had some monster games for sure. Uh, I'm just, I think the Bengals have got to add another receiver um, in this class. I mean, they've got a, a really early pick in the second round. They've got some juice in the third round. They can throw in this draft and, and this receiver class is just so loaded. Um, I think Boyd is, is probably one that'll have some more competition for targets, especially if they don't bring AJ back, which I agree with you does not seem likely at this point.
0: Yeah, I don't think so is either. All right, so two more situations. Actually, I'm going to throw a third one just as we finish because I'm going to ask you a if-you-had-to-pick-today question at the end. So before we get to that, the Jacksonville Jaguars, which honestly, you know what, their quarterback situation might not be decided. You know, it would seem you can say Minshew, but they did spend all that money on Nick Foles, and they don't really have a full answer of Nick Foles. But we'll just say – is there even a big difference between Nick Foles and Gardner Minshew for the fact of let's talk, talk – I almost said Chark. Let's Chark him. Let's talk DJ Chark and D.D. Westbrook because nobody had DJ Chark as the top option for this year. And, and this isn't like a self-back Patty thing. It's like I felt like I was one of the highest on Chark. And I still like, – and that's the point. Is That's what I'm trying to say is like I still didn't even have him. I only even think in the first 10 rounds because everybody was assuming D.D. Westbrook and everybody was assuming that – you know, Chark might get to the number two, but he's still with so many options on that team and everything broke right for him and broke in a good way for him talent-wise as too. So going into next year, is this now definitively Chark is the number one or do you think there's still a scenario where Didi could step in and be like, I'll give you an example. One of my coworkers, I won't mention my name. People know who he is if they listen, but they called him like Antonio Brown Light, that Didi Westbrook. Mm. And I thought that, yeah, I thought that was a little aggressive, but hey, you know what? He did say light, but
1: there you go. <laughs> I think that's a little aggressive, too, uh, because DJ <laughs> Chark is is awesome. I think he's clearly their number one wide receiver, and I get it. He, he definitely slowed down in the box score as the season went on. He got off to just an, an amazing start. Where he scored like five touchdowns in his first four games, something ridiculous. Yeah, um, yeah he's definitely not going to get off of that type of start again this coming year. But there there is something there with DJ Chark, man. Just his down-the-field ability, uh, not only in contested catch situations, but he was very good after the catch in an open field this uh, this past year and and just think i mean if he took this big of a leap uh and from year one to year two going from just literally catching like 14 15 balls his rookie year to to becoming a thousand yard receiver the next uh just think what he's going to do in his age 24 season with a full off season you know kind of get healthy after being banged up after some uh some injuries in the middle of this past year and he's got a full year to get get in uh good chemistry with uh with gardner Minshew. um I, i think dj chark is still being really undervalued and and you know, I think D.J. Westbrook is a he's a fine slot guy, but I just I think people have overvalued him now for a couple years back to back, and it seems to you know if that's the case again where we're having this conversation where it's like Westbrook versus Chark still. Uh, I think I think D.J. Chark is going to be on quite a few of my fantasy teams this coming year.
0: I'm with you, and I'll get here. I'll give you one. I'll add a second question. This is basically the same question that I was you know sneaking or not sneaking uh, a previewing before with the who would you take as a today. These are. ADP-wise and full redraft only, not Dynasty, anything like that. So pick 65, 67, and 68. Debo Samuel, Calvin Ridley, DJ Chark. Who you take? Wow. Wow.
1: I love all three of them this coming year. I actually (laughs) think I might go Ridley uh, just because I think Ridley is just – he's going to explode with that Falcons offense this coming year. Uh, But it's really, really close. Uh, I think Chark probably has the highest ceiling out of all of those guys. I think Chark could finish top five, but – but Ridley has a higher floor and, and a pretty similar ceiling. Although, I mean, Debo's Debo's are going to be a great pick this year too. Uh, that's a that's <laughs> a really tough range. That's I like all three of them, honestly. It?
0: Do you want to guess which one of the three has the highest pick? Like their minimum highest selection of all the three? Probably Debo. You are correct. Yeah, 17. just because we've
1: yeah just because we've seen the it's just recency bias. I mean, we saw of course you know, Debo making huge plays in the playoffs when you know Chark and Ridley were on the on the sofa. <laughs>
0: But plus he was like running as much as he did in the postseason for yeah. the entire season combined. <laughs> it's just, yeah. all right. So last one for you, let's talk to Titans. And so now this is going to be two different questions for you. And this is the assumption of Ryan Tannehill. I think that's the general consensus is he's coming back and the Titans might draft somebody, but we know it's not Mariota. So it has to probably be Tannehill. Tannehill For what a lot of people don't realize, I know you know this because this is part of your job, but for everybody out there, they don't realize that Tannehill's touchdown ratio was pretty dang high as well for the fact of somebody who was throwing 210 yards and didn't even break 200 one week. So all that being said, A.J. Brown and his style of play combined with Tannehill back at quarterback Do you feel like A.J. Brown might be a little overdrafted next year and that maybe you know he can't repeat similar to the, let's say, the Falcons of 2016's kind of touchdown ratio? And then while we're talking about this team, I think we have to bring up Corey Davis and we have to say, I'll present Corey Davis in this way for you, Graham. Can he pull a Devontae Parker? Because that's kind of who he's turning into now.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, I love Corey Davis and I'm still very high on his talent Uh, moving forward. But the Titans, you know, it'll be twofold. You know, they'll likely bring back Derrick Henry on some sort of large deal. Uh, I'd be pretty surprised if Henry's not a Titan next year. Uh, And they're going to be a run first team. And you mentioned, I mean, Ryan Tannehill's touchdowns are are going to regress. I mean, he threw uh, two or more passing scores in all but two games this past year. That includes the playoffs where he had, you know, those two games where he threw like 15 times. Uh, The Titans are a run first team and those touchdowns are going to come back. But man, like A.J. Brown, uh, my comp for A.J. Brown right now is Andre Johnson. I think he's just oh, un- I love that. Yeah, he's unbelievable after the catch, just a menace in the open field, super strong, uh, can beat press coverage, can get open for smaller and, and uh, taller DBs. Uh, and and Andre Johnson, for what it's worth, was always kind of a lower-end touchdown scorer. I, I think A.J. Brown is, uh, you know, he could be overvalued in the sense that, like, you know, he'll go and, like, maybe the – I don't know, third round or something like that. And maybe he won't perfectly pay off his ADP uh, because the touchdowns will, will regress some and, and he maybe he'll fail to score touchdowns, but I mean, he is just so good after the catch and clearly their number one receiver. I, I think it's going to be really hard for, for Brown not to catch like 70 or 80 balls next year for, for quite a bit of yards.
0: Yeah, actually it's, I, I like that comp too. My initial comp when he came out of college was like Juju Smith Schuster is kind of playing that yeah. slot. And Oh my God, could you imagine AJ Brown with Ben Roethlisberger? Holy crap. So, AJ uh, Brown and
1: Juju would be absurd together. <laughs> that
0: would be ridiculous. That would be so good. So I'm looking right now. Do I have to go to page two to find Corey Davis? I think I might. Oh my God. All right. So two questions. Do you want to guess where Corey Davis is? And well, I don't even think the second part's a question. I gotta assume, as bad as he's been, that you're taking him this is gonna kind of hint to where he's going, but you're ta- I'll just tell you, screw it. You're taking him in the 14th round and probably earlier than that, right?
1: Yeah. Uh, he's probably, he's, he's probably, he's not as buried as Miles Boykin is buried, but uh, he's, he's way out there too. I, I'm with you on it, man. I mean, it's just the, the biggest issue with the Titans will come down to pass volume and how much they want to, they want to pass, uh, throw the ball. I mean, you know, Davis this past two years, uh, his targets went way down this year with AJ Brown, not unexpectedly. I think he had like 70 targets after seeing like 115 uh, as a rookie or a yeah. second year. People, people kind of forget that Corey Davis saw like over a hundred targets just one year ago. Um, and you know, obviously, adding AJ Brown and being very run heavy is, has really limited that. I'm still high on Corey Davis' talent. It's just, I just don't think it's been the best fit for him there in Tennessee.
0: No, for, he might, yeah, he might need to get the hell out of there. But I'll give you this. So I'm going to add another one because we're talking about Corey Davis. So right now, back to back to back, 161, 162, and 164, these three wide receivers, if you're drafting right now, Graham, Corey Davis is one of them, obviously, Sammy Watkins and Burchard Perriman.
1: Well, Sammy Watkins says he wants to retire. He got that Super Bowl ring, and he's, uh, he's trying to take a year off.
0: That's, I think this is fun. Throw that out there.
1: <laughs> yeah, that is fun. I think I prefer uh, Davis out of all of those guys. Perriman is obviously a free agent. Wouldn't it be fun, Jake, if, if Perriman uh, re-signed with the Ravens and, like, is good?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I would, no, I would hate that because it would just destroy any hope we
1: have for Boykin. <laughs> exactly. That's true. That's true. I just, I'm just thinking of, like, the troll angle. Wouldn't it be hilarious if Perriman, after <laughs> doing would, nothing,
0: It would be Baltimore, really funny.
1: Uh, he's a perfect receiver for Lamar Jackson, too. They need another guy that can stretch the field like that.
0: They do. And it would just be it'll also be a testament to the fact that Joe Flacco just had one fluky, terrific postseason, and that's it. You thank everything. you. Oh, <laughs> thank
1: you. That's perfect.
0: <laughs> All right. So, uh, like I said, two more would get you. At this is the uh, now just real quick version. Who would you take at this point? So this is a little tight group of four inside the top 10, uh, 27, 29, 31, and 32. So here's your choices, and one of them is Juju Smith-Schuster, and that's why I bring it up. These four are Mike Evans, Juju, DJ Moore, and Amari Cooper. If mm. you had to only pick one,
1: man, I don't. That's really <laughs> tough. I think I'd go Evans just because I'm a sucker for for his ceiling and uh, those those huge games. What, what I love, especially if he's going in that range, like Mike Evans, if you can get somehow get him as your number two receiver, if he's going like late second, early third, let's say you, you start with a receiver and Deandre Hopkins or, or whatever in the first round and you come back and you get Evans. I mean, Evans as a number two is just, uh, is, is so nice. I'm a sucker for ceiling, especially a wide receiver. And <laughs> especially when we're, you know, we're banking on variants every single week at that position. And Evans. Wait, did you I say see.
0: you're sucky for Sealy? You really like me that much? Is that what you said? <laughs> of
1: course, of course. Uh, man, that, I think, you know, Getting through this, uh, going through the 80s, these early ADPs with you, it just kind of shows, Jake, that this, there are so many good wide receivers in fantasy right now, and there's so many good pockets of value uh, this coming year. It's going to be, it's just the the top 50 or 60 wide receivers in fantasy are going to be loaded and and potentially, you know, weekly plays in in season long.
0: Yeah. And we haven't even added the rookies yet, which is just, I mean, that's a whole nother situation because it's not quite the running back level, but it's honestly, it might be better top. I don't know. It's tough. This is a really good class. We'll put it that way. All right. Here's this one. 71, 72, 73, 73, 74. So I give you five here. This is a big group. We're going back to Tyler Boyd. We're bringing him up. Tyler Boyd, Terry McLaurin, Robert Woods, Tyler Lockett, and Jarvis Landry.
1: Wow that's another good that's another great grouping I think I'd go uh, Robert Woods uh, just because I mean the targets have been you know I know he got off to a really slow start this past year but the targets really started ramping up in the middle of the year and he was back to the same you know five catches 70 yards and or a touchdown in every single game I I love uh, Robert Woods I think actually Boyd for me would be last out of that group wouldn't you say?
0: That's where I would lean. I, I would actually lean. And I'm surprised Robert Woods is that. That's Robert Woods at 25. I'm actually surprised he's that low. That's really cheap. Wow. That's huge discount. All right, here's the last group for you. And there's one that's a little semi-outlier. It's 46, but it's 46, 50, 51, and 51. It's Cortland Sutton, Cooper Cup, Keenan Allen, and Allen Robinson. So basically, the target guys and the number one target guys. And where would you be going with this group?
1: A Rob, man, A Rob would be my top guy. Especially, I-, I think they're gonna they're gonna definitely upgrade at the quarterback position. Whether it's Dalton, whether it's Bridgewater, Alvin Robinson proved this past year that he is quarterback proof. Uh, he's. I was
0: gonna say, has, does it really even matter if it's still Trubisky?
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, but here's, uh, in a, in a way, it doesn't matter for fantasy just because the volume will be there. But if they do, uh, bring in a you know a, a much. Know a, an improvement over Trubisky. Pretty much anybody's an improvement over Trubisky at this point. But you know, when they bring in an, an improvement, it's just going to really. I, I think it's just going to elevate a Rob even more. It seems like to me, Jake, that people are sleeping on him as an alpha number one wide receiver, uh, still these days. And and this past year just proved uh, proved once again that that A-Rob is a baller and he can produce no matter the quarterback. I mean, just think about it. He's had to play with Blake Bortles and Mitchell Trubisky. as his (laughs) top quarterbacks. I mean, can you imagine just running that bad? Like, you're that good. And then you tear your ACL on top of that. I mean, uh, A-Rob has run bad. He's had some bad luck. But I'm really hoping in 2020 he gets over that streak of bad luck and gets a good quarterback.
0: Yeah, he was number 10 this year despite what was going on with the Bears. (laughs) I mean, if this dude just up and said, you know what? I don't even want to do this anymore. I'd I'd understand for what he's had to deal with. I I can't do it. Actually, real quick before I get out of here. Is this the most disrespectful thing in this potential wide receiver list? I didn't even mention his name. Kenny Galladay at 13 feels disrespectful. Like, that feels like that's low for me. Like, I'll put it this way. And maybe you disagree. But – A.J. Brown we talked about. I'm not taking A.J. Brown before Kenny Galladay. I'm I not taking Odo Beckham hoping for a rebound before Kenny Galladay. I'm not taking Amari Cooper not knowing what's going on with him. I'm not taking D.J. Moore not knowing what's going on with him because at least I know Matthew Stafford's back because they already said it's bonking. They're not trading him because there's so much dead cap. Matthew Stafford, before he got hurt, I know you know this, people don't even remember, he was a top five fantasy quarterback before he got hurt. Why Thank is you. Kenny Galladay wide receiver 13?
1: Thank you. And, and thank you for being a, a good Stafford truther, too, because Stafford was awesome to start this year. I mean, you know, the Lions didn't win a lot of games, but Stafford was having literally his best year uh, as a pro before he got hurt. 6.5 touchdown rate, that was the highest in his career. 8.6 yards per attempt, again, highest in his career. He's averaging well over 300 yards per game, and some of that had to do with the Lions just never being super competitive. But, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on Galladay, and I'm with you on Stafford, too. The Lions, those two guys seem uh, seem pretty slept on right now.
0: Uh, I, I'm, yay same page and they're talking about trading Darius Slay so the defense is probably just going to get worse <laughs> good <laughs> then, good for fantasy yeah. that's great exactly. keep,
1: keep Stafford throwing keep keep keeping throwing a Galladay and Marv Jones
0: yeah exactly keep and keep the value out there because it's just continually be disrespected but keep following how hey, you like that for a transition Graham Barfield if you're not already you made a mistake so get that rectified right now Graham once again tell everybody what they can find what they should be on the lookout for and all the good stuff you got
1: Sure. Yeah. At Grand Barfield on Twitter. Uh, like I said, we're, we're cranking out some pods here at the NFL fantasy. We'll have some, some good combine and NFL draft coverage coming your way soon. And, and yeah, yards created is right around the corner. I'll we'll have some, uh, some fun stats on, on the Twitter machine to look at uh, and and hopefully some articles in the next, uh, you know, six, six to seven weeks. We'll, we'll kind of a little bit of a slow burn. I always like to, to get a head start and then I think, you know, like everybody will be really invested in the draft. Like, like I am uh, early on, but it it turns out not many people are paying attention as closely as you and I are Jake in in February. Uh, I don't know why that is. Um, No, obviously being sarcastic. Uh, Yeah. The NFL draft is uh, right around the corner and I'll have some, some fun yards, created stuff, uh, articles and and fun stuff up uh, by April
0: yeah so make sure like i said everybody make sure you're looking out for that it's definitely helpful for if you're looking at this draft class and speaking of which i won't be here next week because i'll be at the draft so no pod you get a good two weeks to dive into this podcast and digest it and enjoy it before i'm back two weeks from now but once again thanks to graham and good luck and uh to everybody this offseason. season hopefully you're getting all these values we're talking about and i'll talk to you in two weeks bye